Hello, Sarah. Hello, Jennifer. Happy summer. It's coming to a close. Sad to say. End of August. Lazy days. We've been um, talking a lot about like things we've done this summer and then like things we're going to save. So because you're so busy during this summer. No, listen, (laughs) because I'm worried we'll be stuck in our houses again for a long time and you got to save things. But my cats, like all cats, love to play in boxes. And so now every time a big enough box gets delivered to the house, Mr. Reed's romance will like, like set it up. There's like a box kind of cat area with all these boxes. And I was like, that is adorable. I was like, you're one step away from like turning this into like a a structure for them. And he was like, winter, winter is coming. And I was like, sure. (laughs) We'll save that. You know, there are all these videos online. So when we got Kahlo, our dog, um, he... And puppies are terrible. Thanks for nothing, Internet, for not being like, puppies are a terrible idea. I'm pretty sure I was like, do you want to do this, Sarah? You don't like dogs. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's because I know puppies are terrible. Anyway, puppies are terrible. And when we got the dog, um, obviously, I was immediately like, well, this dog is terrible. So clearly what he needs is school and then he won't be terrible anymore, Uh, which is nonsense because they're just terrible until they're two, I'm told, by Kelly. Who also says things like dog training is people training. And I'm like, I'm okay. (laughs) So anyway. (laughs) You're just mad because you know she's right. (laughs) Oh, God. There have been days, honestly, over the last uh, 16 months where I have texted Kelly, like, in the middle of the night. I don't know if you know that. But I have texted Kelly in the middle of the night and been like, what do I do? And she usually sends me, like, an Amazon link for something that will fix it. Um, which actually is true. He, although, Kelly, I know you sometimes listen to this podcast, and let me just tell you that he's chewed through not one, not two, but four of those harnesses you recommend. <laughs> Yikes on bikes. Anyway. Uh, my husband calls Kelly the cat whisperer. Oh, yeah. She's great with cats, too. And she's like, yeah, she's, I don't know why she's not a vet. Kelly's like a miracle worker, too. She's, well, she just does, I mean, she's really remarkable. She trains yeah. Um, assistant dogs yeah. and uh, and support dogs. And the reality is that I don't actually know how you survive with puppies in your house for your whole life. Nonstop. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, like, she just has puppies as a matter of course, which is terrible. Anybody who's ever had a puppy knows that it's terrible. Anyway, she's super great. But my point is that when we first – so I took Kala to school and, like, the first – I don't know, day of school, they said, oh, part of it is, you know, they get bored in the house. You got to have games for them and like toys for them, which toys, totally fine, very reasonable. But games for, (laughs) you know, 10 week old puppy felt strange (laughs) to me. And then the the teacher who bless her, bless her cotton socks, (laughs) as CJ Craig would say, um, she, she, um, she sent us this video and I swear it was 30 minutes long of a person making a kind of like Rube Goldberg device toy out of cardboard boxes and treats and paper towel rolls for their puppy to then tear apart in surely like two minutes um so actually i don't i never did that which is probably why he's a jerk i'm all like welcome to faded mates where we can might talk about building rube goldberg (laughs) machines for our pets but we'll never actually do it (laughs) No, please come on now. 
I'm a grown-ass person in the world. Who you has a child to entertain. My God, you're going to build something for your dog? Yeah. I mean, maybe I could convince her to do it. But then, all I, then at the end of it, I've got a dog who is shredded up like 15 boxes all over my house. That sounds not great. Truly, I have, it's quarantine, it's pandemic times. I'm living in my like tiny apartment with all these creatures who are constantly, constantly in my apartment in the room with me it's it's the first time i've been alone in like five weeks <laughs> this moment <laughs> right now like let's keep recording you know what i was thinking sarah maybe we should introduce ourselves oh welcome to faded mates everyone you know i don't know Right, we back don't. on our bullshit. Back on our bullshit. We don't remember anything. I'm Jen Prokop. I'm a romance critic and... Shit, you know what, Jen? I don't think we introduced ourselves in the last episode. Well, maybe if we do it now, he can... Well, you know, he's pretty good at that. I know. God bless. <laughs> um, I'm Jennifer Prokop. I'm a romance reader and critic. And I'm Sarah McLean. I write romance novels and I read them. Probably the other way around is the better way. Funny. <laughs> this is a reader episode that we're going to talk about what we read this summer. Yeah, I'm excited. So we took some time off, which we was did. really nice. It was nice, but I'm so happy to have you back. I know, I know, and I hope you guys really enjoyed. We left some, we left left some great episodes for everyone. So hopefully they listened to them and they enjoyed them. I really love that one uh, with you and Adriana that was a couple weeks ago such an important conversation that one was about trauma and then there was one about writing with me and victoria schwab and victoria is going to join us for an episode too at some point to talk about world building we think Um, and i really think our episode with steve amadown is going to be one of my favorites ever it was so fascinating we talked all about vivian stevens and the book she acquired and kind of how she changed romance and that was a really fun one for me to do too it was and i think steve was really really enjoyed himself when we talked about all those old like yeah, those early, early Harlequins that Vivian had acquired. Yeah. Um. So, but here we are, interstitial number one of the season. This is episode uh, two of the season, but I think we think it's episode ninety-three of our podcast. Yeah, we'll have to which do some is real exciting. I mean, we're coming. It feels like when you hit a hundred, you get like big royalties in TV land. So. <laughs> yeah, sure, of course. Maybe when you hit a hundred, you get like. A check from podcasting gods or something. (laughs) That would be nice. That would be nice. The podcasting gods. I was like, I'm always uh, the iHeartRadio podcasting awards. You know, I'm. I'm, I was real. I felt we were unfairly passed over last year. (laughs) Jen is real mad about this iHeartRadio awards. I I know. I was also real mad last week. It was like book a week, and um, iTunes put together a list of like bookish podcasts. And I was like, they were all, none of them were like for genre fiction. Come on, iTunes, get it together. We're routine, we're always in the top, like, we get, we clear the top 100 every episode. Often we clear way, way higher. Yeah, hello. Thanks for listening, you guys. <laughs> hey, while we're at it, head on over to iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> Rate and leave us a review. And if you work for iHeartRadio, you can, like, just say. if you work for iHeartRadio, Jen has words. I don't, like, I she's do. real pissed about this, you guys. She thinks we should have won an award. I'm like, iHeartRadio doesn't know we exist. I just want to be nominated. I'm like Sally Field Tell or whatever. Tell Linda. Linda will, she'll get Start a, petition a petition going. <laughs> Linda, we love you. 
The other day I was talking. Oh, the, here's a fun Linda story. The other day we were, I was talking to Eric and, and I said, I said, well, and I was on the phone with Linda and she said, bah, 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 bah. and Eric went, Linda, who collects pins? I was like, no, Linda, who you've met 32 times. <laughs> like a person we know is yeah. Linda. I mean, I've met Linda and she's fabulous, but Eric has never met Linda. Sure. But so that you know, Linda, you are the first Linda in his heart. That's so nice. Not our, like, neighbor. (laughs) Two weeks ago, Linda and Kate and Julie and I, some of my Chicago romance reading friends, we had, like, a social distance trip to Love Sweet Arrow. We all wore our masks. And then it was really funny because we all, like, held up books. We were so excited to be together with romances in the same place. And I was like, thank God we're reading masks. We were, like, literally shouting at each other. We were so excited. And then Kate, who is, um... Like, I guess all the Kates in my life are just very particular and very uh, organized. Yeah. I don't know if Kate's an actual Virgo, but yeah, I'm not, I'm going to find out. She found a park for us to go to and it had picnic benches, but like under an overhang and we were the only people there. So we all like sat at our own picnic bench and hung out and it was really great. That's so summery and nice. It was, it was very summery. I love it. It was really nice. Yeah, it was great. I love it. It was great. Well, summer is for friends and being outside and reading. Yes, it is true. So let's talk about that because we, um, this interstitial is about summer reads. Ours and just good ones in general. What have you, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Um, I will go. I'm going to go and I'm going to start with like the book that it seems like everybody has been reading this summer uh, in the whole world because it's just sitting on that bestseller list. And um, that is Emily Henry's Beach Read, which I read at the beginning of the summer when it came out. And it was the first book of quarantine of like pandemic times that I read start to finish without putting down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really Really loved it. Um, and the, I want to have a, I want to talk about this book because I mean, I want it so broadly. I loved it. I thought it was really romantic. There's a hero. His name is Gus. I'm now like obsessed with the name Gus for hero. I might write one myself. And, he, and he's like super sexy and adorable. And the premise is these two people, um, the heroine of this book, it's written um, from, it's really her story. And um, her father dies and she discovers that um, her father had a, a long-standing uh, other woman in his life. And they spent a lot of time at this beach house on a lake in Michigan. Um, and when he dies, he this woman comes to his funeral and gives the heroine, January, a... Um, a key to this beach house and says like, this is your, like, this is yours. He left the house for you. And so she has to kind of, she had this kind of vision of what her family was and how her family existed, um, in happiness and, uh, you know, and then suddenly it's all blown apart and she can't talk to her father about it, obviously. And her, it becomes clear that her mother knew and she's just sort of kind of a wreck about it. And it's all in the first chapter. This I'm not spoiling anything. And then so she goes out to this beach house and she's a writer. And I think this is part of it. I really like this part of it. Like this felt very me. She goes out to this beach house and the person who's rent, who lives in the house next door is a guy who, because of romance reasons, uh, went to college. They went to college together. And um, 
they he's like a literary writer and she writes romance and um and they have this kind of summer of um falling in love with each other and they make a deal that they'll try each one will try to write the other style of book so that it's kind of like if you're into style and craft and writing there's a lot in here to love um anyway it's very romantic and by the end you know you're you're in it and i was really i found it incredibly delicious that all said this book has not been marketed as a romance right it has a very it has a very like it's romancy the cover but it's really like women's fictiony the cover like it's just like a cartoon it's a very bright yellow cartoony cover yellow is like definitely the color of the 2020 summer read um, Daring in the Duke is also yellow. Um, and, you know, sometimes that just happens, right? Like where all the books are the same color. Um, so this is bright yellow cover, but the title of this book is Beach Read. And I think that was inspired. Like part of me is like, because honestly, it's not, the book is not, like there's so much about this book that it could have been, like it's great. It's a great, great, great read. But calling a beach read, just instantly, I could, you know, it's just the perfect title for a book like this. It's light. It's it's funny. It's charming. You know, there's a there are some like darker kind of there's there's some weightier stuff in here. But yeah, the reality, I would say you should if you're. I would say if you need content warnings, you should check because I know some readers have asked for those with this book so I you know you know I mean that didn't really hit you that way but I do think you should no I mean I would think there's probably like there's infidelity obviously this like this I don't know I know and then there's he's writing a book about a cult like so there if cults are a concern well you but you mentioned this right like her sadness about her family and like sort of like rediscovering kind of like who they were Anyway, so there's just a lot about this. Uh, like I said, I loved it. I loved it a whole lot. Like, sure, the hero is writing about a cult, so you should be aware of that. Um, the heroine obviously is going through some, like, emotional drama. Like, she is getting her head on straight after she lost her dad and, like, discovered that everything she kind of thought was true about her family is maybe not so true. Um, but Beatreed is a great, great title. Um, because I think every person who walks into a bookstore, well, you know, we thought people would be walking into bookstores this summer, but you know, we all have that reader friend who's like, or that friend who's like, I read like two books a year. I read a book on vacation in the summer and then I read like whatever the big book is in the fall. And, uh, I mean, my God, congratulations, uh, Berkeley for coming up with that because that was that is a great. It's title. almost like one of those things where like how did nobody ever do this? How before? is this title not? Uh, how has this not happened before? Um, a book that's similar in that it like sort of gets marketed as a rom com but had some like pretty heavy themes was the book Paradise Cove by Jenny Holiday, mm. which I but I loved it and I thought it was like kind of like it was cathartic like I cried during reading it. And um, the heroine moves to a small town on the shores of Lake Huron, and the hero is um, a real kind of taciturn, kind of quiet guy in the town. And it turns out that his 
His infant son, his son who was under a year old, died from flu three or four years earlier. So this was, I mean, it it was 2020 tough. Yes. Well, and that was funny because at one point I interviewed Jenny and I was like, were you really freaked out when you realized that it was like a death of a child from flu? And she was like, I just didn't let myself think about it. (laughs) But it was uh, like similarly, I think, you know, like cathartic is a like word we have for a reason right like a book where someone is really like discovering love as they are going through like dealing with the of the loss of someone i think it's those books i know uh, some readers really need content warnings for but i it was it was a beautiful read it really was and you know this because you and i talk and we talked while i was reading beach read but um i Lost my dad two years ago. And the thing that nobody tells you when you lose a parent um, is that in that loss, there is a lot of um, discovery about the person who your parent was outside of your frame of awareness, right? So I think one of the reasons why this book spoke so much to me. And I sent Emily, I don't know Emily, but I sent her an email after I read it. Um, One of the things that really struck me as somebody who had recently lost their dad and who had like kind of, I mean, my dad did not have a separate, (laughs) like my dad did not have like a gorgeous beach house anywhere that he shared with like another woman. Uh, At least nobody brought me keys, (laughs) importantly. (laughs) Um, But I, but you do like, you have there there are several moments in your life i think when you realize that your family is not always what you perceive it to be and um i think there i think those are watershed moments for a lot of us as we grow um and in this particular case for me the loss of my dad revealed a lot about my family that i had never seen before because i was too close to it And that's what happens to the main character, to the heroine of this book, too. And I just, um, you know, I think when you are rubbed raw by that kind of painful loss, you are in some ways made more more, um, open or more vulnerable to love. Um, And I think this book captures that in a really powerful way. And it sounds like Jenny's does too. And I think, um, you know, we talk a lot in romance about uh, the need for content warnings or, you know, concern about, about these, these um, per- particularly loss as a, as a story arc. And I do, but I do think often the, some of the most beautiful romances we've seen over the years are romances that really, unpack this vulnerability that comes from loss this like like you're blown open and like there is an empty space that can be filled again romance is so much about love but love hurts too right and i feel like this is one of the ways that romance is like really excels at sort of digging into like how brave it is to like risk love because you especially if you know how how painful it is well right? it's like um that naima simone uh sin and ink book about the widow the widowed uh heroine who falls for her 
her brother uh, husband essentially her husband's brother and i mean just that sort of again kind of just that moment where loss then becomes like makes you op- open in some ways to a different kind of love um and gosh i just i think it's it's a bold choice as a writer to choose loss as the um, entry point to a romance. And um, I deeply respect it. <laughs> I I don't think I've ever done it because I think it's very difficult. It's very Well, difficult. I think it's hard. And I think it's really hard to care for your reader, which we talked about last week, right? Like re- romance is really a genre where we feel cared for as readers. And so I mean, and and in some ways I feel like, so for me personally, I'm usually pretty bulletproof, like things like that. I can just, because I know the HGA is coming, so I'm willing to invest kind of like my emotions in these like hard moments because I know that it will be restored by the author at the end. But I I think especially this year and this summer when so so many of us are really I don't know, struggling with like, even if no one in your family is sick, we're still all really, it's so hard. And so these books really feel timely and kind of beautiful in a way that um, has really, I don't know, moved me. Like, I didn't really think I'd start with Paradise Cove, but it really was this just this beautiful book. And, you know, Jenny's previous books for me have just been straight up comedies, like straight up books where people say rom-com. And I'm like, yeah, but like Jenny Holiday really knows how to make a book kind of sing that way. And sometimes I feel like rom-com's just a marketing term. But in this case, in Paradise Cove, it was like the exact different. Like, here are people who are really just like... God, hard things have happened. Can I take this risk again? And it was, I thought, it's it's a really terrific book. You and I have gone around and around about how COVID has really made us think about reading in a different way, right? And one of the things that I know you and I have both been doing is a lot of comfort reading, like going back to the books that we have always, that have always been comfortable for us, right? Like we all, you and I both reread again, The Magic. I've been rereading IAD while I'd puzzle. Uh, me too. While I was away, I was rereading yep. IAD. I just finished Sweet Ruin again, like last week. Man, that's crazy. I just read Demon Demon from the Dark, like, right? Like, we read our favorites. Oh my God, my God. The <laughs> moment where Josie just sucks the men down into the <laughs> earth and leaves them there to just die. It's just so great. <laughs> or, like, Caro. Like, I think a lot about Caro's choices, right? Like, this man or my child. Yeah. Like, the I mean, it really, it's been, whew. I said, I texted you the other day, like, truly, Cressley shows us, it tackles what the world does to women so well without making it feel like plot and without making it feel like pain. I mean, like, even when it hurts in the book, it doesn't translate quite like it. It's not torture porn even on torture island um even on torture island so anyway that's but that's cressley that was season one um anyway so but but so aside from those sort of those safe books because we've read them before and we love them and we want to keep going back to them right there's also this other piece for me which is i don't want gentle right now like i want books that are gonna a little bit like carve out 
pieces of me. And I know you just read Millivane and I won't. I did. Which I talked about way back. You're way like, back it was amazing. You're like, I don't know. Fantasy, blah, 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 blah. Say I'm right. Say it. You are so right, Sarah. Sarah, you were totally right. <laughs> That's the show title. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah was right. Um, before we talk about that, though, the thing that was really interesting is I was rereading Demon from the Dark, and I skipped the chapters, though, where he figures out she betrays him. It was, like, too hard. I went right to them being, like, sort of back in, you know, because I was like, I just can't, like, his, you, Caro. <laughs> I was like, oh. So I was like, yeah, that's too much. I was like, it just has to have happened already oh, in the Malcolm. past. You big yeah. dummy. Malcolm, big dummy. Um, God, Heart of Blood and Ashes. Is that the name of it? Mm-hmm. A noun of X and Y. <laughs> it was amazing. Sarah. You told me so. So it is, it is fantasy, and there is a, a prequel novella that I have not yet read. So even though and book two is out, and we have not read that either. No, I'm saving it. I'm saving it too. It came. It came out literally just a couple weeks ago. So the series is called A Gathering of Dragons. It is a fantasy, so it's 555 pages, which woo. Also, I have to say, I'm sorry, you're going to talk because you're going to talk about it. You're going to sell it so hard that I'm going to say this at the start. So I talked about it back. I don't know. Yeah. I read it. I, I can tell you when I read it. I, remember, I read it on a plane. I'm pretty sure I got COVID on that plane. So so that's that's how I remember. It was Valentine's Day weekend. I was flying back from L.A. I read the whole thing on the plane. It was amazing. A plane of germs and COVID. Of COVID. Longtime listeners will remember that Kate Claiborne and Jen had a special episode of Faded Mates where they talked about sickbed romances because I was so sick I couldn't record. And now we are all pretty sure that I had, uh, you know, the Rona. Sure. So that was February. That was Valentine's Day. And then I definitely talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, but real brief. <laughs> somebody posted to Instagram, and I'm sorry, you guys, if you if it was you, I cannot remember who it was, but if it was you, please tweet at us or Instagram me so that I can share it on our Instagram or Twitter. Someone posted an Instagram story that was like, uh, Sarah McLean recommended this like <laughs> this fantasy book and I got it and she talked about it so much and they don't kiss until page 400 of this book which is probably true I trust you <laughs> my friend out there in the ether but they do other stuff before page 400 yeah they do <laughs> so here is what I here's what here's my story so I have like a little group of so Kate and Julie and Julia and Hannah kind of like we all like sometimes read books together. And um, so it, this was the book. And I was like, you know, Sarah said this book's great and I own it. Like I should just like get on board this train. So it is. And here's the thing that really helped me. Now, this is you guys. This is terrible. I'm sorry to report this. I'm a terrible fantasy reader because I don't have a lot of patience for world building. I am a character reader. So the advice I got from my little crew was to just skip to chapter three. <laughs> like just, I think that's fair. That's a totally fair piece of advice. And I was like, okay. Now, I didn't really skip. I just power skimmed. I just kind of was like looking at these pages and, you know. And because the thing is, is it opens with Maddox, who's the hero. But the heroine, whose name is Yaven, is that what we're going to say? Doesn't really appear until then. And so I was like, yeah, that's what I need. I just need these two dummies on page together and then I'll be invested. So I 
skipped. I started at chapter three. Tell everyone how we how Evan comes into the mix. It's honestly it's so great. <laughs> it's so great. So so his parents are dead, and it turns out that her parents killed them. Right, her father. Her father killed them. Well, her father killed them. Yeah, because she's okay. So she is the. She is like the descendant. There's a matriarchal line. Um, and she is supposed to ultimately be queen of this like world. Um, but her dad's fucking terrible. And he's basically locked her into a tower for years. And before that, it was her and her mother in the tower. So the hero needs to exact vengeance on this family. And he hears that she is being moved from one location to another. In, like, some kind of caravan, and he mm-hmm. essentially is like, I'm going to kidnap her, steal her, and, you know, get my vengeance. And she basically is like, I think we could together, I want my vengeance yeah, too, she's right? like, I hate my father and my brother as well. And he's like, that's what you would say to save your ass. And she's like, let me prove it. <laughs> It's like blood hand job, everybody. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, it's terrific. It's, I mean, here's the thing. If you had said to me, look, everybody <laughs> knows that I am fully on board with this is Fate of Mates. We are very pro blood blow job here. Sure. We don't sure. judge. We're fine. No. Fine. But if you had said to me, there's a blood hand job in this book and it's super sexy, I would have been like, what the hell? No. No, that's where I draw the line. Someone on Twitter was like, they're using blood as lube. And I was like, no, 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 no. It is not like that. It is, a battle has been fought. She has, I mean, can we tell everybody? Is it a spoiler? It's kind of a spoiler. What happens? I don't, go ahead. I think it's all right. Now that we're talking about it, I'm like, shit, we should have saved it for a deep dive episode. Um, maybe (laughs) we still can. You know what? We can just stop here and maybe put it on the list because I actually do think, talk about doing some work. It's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, you might hear more about it at some point and you'll live because it is unreal. It is so good. Mm -hmm. Um... Okay, so we both read that one. Uh, um, can I, well, while we're doing fantasy, let me also yeah. talk about another book that I read while I was away that I really had a great time with, which yes. is the new Sex Planet book from Robin Lovett. Oh, yeah. God. I feel like we should just revisit all our old favorites. And then the <laughs> Sex Planet books. The Sex Planet books, which, again, another good example of, like, a kind of sci-fi fantasy series that, like, is just, it's just, like, she, Robin just, like, runs fast and hard like into this wild premise right so these it's not called the sex planet series it's called (laughs) planet of desire thank you very much um this book is called forbidden desire and so if you've been reading i think this is book four of the series if you've been reading this series and i think we've talked we have talked i call i named one of these books my favorite of the year last year um, on our like best of the year episode. And um, one of the things that I really love, like there's a lot of joy. I get a lot of joy out of these books, right? So aside from being kind of like, you know, truly filthy and like really, like really like se- incredibly sexy, um, this series is set in space. The concept is like, imagine if like there's, you know, there's space travel is happening. Like we've colonized, there's like been colonization of like the whole universe. Like it's basically like Star Trek. Um, and a, a, a ship crashes on a planet. Um, and the atmosphere of the planet is an aphrodisiac. 
So, like, everybody who's on this ship, and it's not just humans, it's humans and also, like, you know, uh, other creature, other alien alien races, and then people who have been, like, manipulated, like, with technology to be bionic, like, all sorts of this stuff. They land on this planet where, like, basically everybody is just, like, sex is revered because it's, like, you need food, you need air, and you need sex to live. Like, you can literally die if you don't have sex on this planet. Once you hit a certain, like, basically, like, children are fine, and then they hit a point where, like, now they need to have sex. Whatever, it's fine. Fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so this new book is, so uh, this new book, the heroine of this book is essentially, like, the goddess of this planet. Like, she can heal. Did you read this, Jen? I haven't read it yet. Okay. The, the heroine of this book, like, can heal through... The hero of the last book could do this, could heal through sex, right? But then he leaves. He, like, becomes monogamous and leaves. Sure. Um, and so and so she has sort of become, the lo- like, a love goddess. And so when people awesome. are have sickness or illness, she can heal them with orgasms, like, with sex. Bless. Um, and it is... I know it sounds crazy, you guys, but, like, it is really fun. It is yeah. It is not, it's not weird in the moment. Like, you're just sort of like, oh, this is really fun. It's a fun premise. And, like, please, sometimes that's what I want from romance, right? Like, yeah. And so a lot of times that's what I want from romance. So it's, like, super fun. And she's a sex goddess. And he is this, like, human who has been, um, who has been sort of tinkered with um, mm. by his father and he's now this, like, big, bionic, like, super soldier. Um, and part of the reason why he's a super soldier is because they figured out how to essentially, like, dull all his senses so he can't feel anything. Pain, literally feel. Like, ner- his nerves don't function. So he's – he. it begins with this sort of, like, voyeuristic experience where he's upset – like, he's sort of watching her, and he watches her in her, like, healing moments, like, when she's healing other people, and he can't wrap his head around – like, he's he's compulsive about watching her, but, like, he can't feel. Interesting. Um, and then she sort of can tell that there's something – you know, broken about him in terms of like his nerves don't work. And so she's yeah. like, I can heal you. And then she, but like she tries to heal him with orgasm and it's not enough. And like, so then they kind of, ha- they like go away and they're like isolated in this sex place. <laughs> sure. And it's very sexy and also like really great. She's like, she's curvy and gorgeous and I blue. mean, it's, it's, and she's blue. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, and I really, really loved it. Okay, I'm going to talk about a book that is, I read a couple of um, galleys this summer, right? So these are books that will be coming out soon in the next couple of weeks. I'm not going to talk about anything that's coming out, but related to this, I guess I would say, I would like to talk about a book I really loved called The Roommate by Rosie Dannon, who, if you'll remember at some point last year, we were like, we're going to have Rosie on, and then she moved to London, and we dropped the ball. So, you know, maybe we'll make that happen in here in season two. I would really like that to happen in season two. Yeah, and this book is terrific, and I think it is awesome. And basically, um, Clara Wheaton is our heroine. She is, um, has been crushing, essentially, like, really been in love with this friend for 
over a decade, right? Like since they were teenagers. And he, she has just finished up some sort of advanced degree in like art history. And she's like, I don't even know what I'm going to do with this job. I mean, you know, she's come from a very wealthy, like socialite class family. But her friend says, come to LA for the summer. And so she's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to like really make it work with this guy because I'm going to finally tell him how I feel. And she gets there and he picks her up at the airport and is basically like, oh, my God, so exciting. My band's going to go on tour. So I had to sublet my room to this guy who's like a friend of a friend of a friend. And it's going to be great. And he basically abandons her in L.A. with this roommate. And his this guy's name is um, is Josh. And it turns out that he is a porn star. And the thing about this book is it is so sex positive. It is so awesome. She There is, like, Josh's job is never played for, like, jokes. It is never implied that he is, like, you know, wrong or whatever for, like, liking his job. And, you know, he's dealing with the way his family or he thought his family felt about him. And he is, though, his... Um, his contract is with essentially uh, a porn company that is really kind of like they're bad guys. Like I think the actual name of the porn company is like black hat. Like they're the bad guys. And he is stuck in a contract where they want him to do more hardcore things. He doesn't want to. So he and Clara decide to essentially like do a bunch of YouTube videos that are going to be tutorials for women and their partners who really like value pleasure in sex and they're not getting it. So it's, it's essentially like he's going to start essentially it's a, it's not porn, right? Like the idea is really just like teaching and it is a terrific book. And I really, I actually um, DM'd Rosie when I was done reading it because I had a question about one thing. Um, but I said to her, I was like, I almost feel like porn is a proxy for romance, right? Like we're so used to being told that we're just, you know, like trash and like real, like, you know, again, back to like the wet ass pussy conversation from last week, right? Like women shouldn't want sexual pleasure. And here is a book that is really like giving its full throated support to it. And I, it is terrific. It's so great. I'm so I'm excited for everyone so to read it. I'm so thrilled. I haven't, I have not read it yet and I am really excited to read it. That's great. It's really good. I'm putting it on my list. I'm I'm, sh- I'm going to show you this list. This is these are all the books that I have to read for like blurbs and other things. So, but now I'm putting that on here too. And if I put it on here, I'll definitely read it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yay. And all right. So wait. So who else? Oh, I want to talk about Tracy's new book. But you can go and then. And I want to yeah. talk about Jody Slaughter. Oh, perfect. Who I don't think I've talked about on the on the pod, but I've talked about her in other places. So now I'm just yeah. gonna like you know make it. We're gonna fan make, girl. I'm gonna yeah. make it canon here on the pod. <laughs> so um, okay, so Jody Slaughter, Adriana Herrera. When I said, "Hey, I just read this book by this this amazing book by this new author, Jody Slaughter," Adriana was like. Would you come on with this? I've been telling you about Jody Slaughter for a year. And I was like, I don't think you have. And she was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I'm always like, no, I've never heard of this person before. I have discovered them. I'm and sorry, Adriana, like, you didn't. And she was like, come on. And like, she's like, here are our tweets. <laughs> she's like, I have receipts. Um so anyway, with apologies to Adriana, uh, I got, I was late to the Jody Slaughter party, but I'm here now. Yeah, I'm here same. now. And uh, 
I know because I brought you on. I was like, you did. Uh, Jennifer, you were like, read this thing, and I was like, well, okay, <laughs> that's how it works here with faded me. So here's so okay. All things burn is the book, and it is her first book, I think. Yeah, it's wild. And I can't even deal with how good it is. Um, it's called All Things Burn. So it's set in Chicago, and the heroine is being stalked. And um, like many women who are stalked in the world, she goes to the police, which is what we are told we should do in such a scenario. And the police say, I'm really sorry, but... And, like, there's a decent police detective who's like, hey, listen, I truly believe you, but... I don't know what to say. There's not, there's nothing I can do. You really can't prove it. Like, it's not a whole lot to be done, which sucks. Patriarchy is terrible. Police, yuck. So the, so she leaves this, so she's, she did the right thing and it didn't work out. And then um, this, her stalker starts to threaten more than her, threatens her sister, threatens her sister's children. And we should say this stalker is someone she dated in the past. Yeah, she, it's, it's, a, it's not, it's someone like known to her. stalkers, right? it yes. is someone who is known to her. Um, so it's almost more, well, I think it is more terrifying when it's somebody you know, right? Somebody who you had a relationship with. So her sister's on the line, her sister's kids are on the line, and she does, she is at her wit's end, and she does what I think a lot of us would do in the sense of, like, trying to figure out, like, how can I solve this problem without being able to follow the bounce, follow the correct path, what we are told is the correct path. So she gets the name of a hitman. Right, from her cousin. Meet this hitman, and she meets this hitman, and he is the hero of the book. Yeah. And he's hot and amazing. And he takes the job because, of course, he has a code of honor, which I love. Sure, of course. I I love it. I love it. And it's that moment. Like, there were a lot of things I loved about it, but I couldn't get out of my head the moment from Gross Point Blank when John Cusack is like, no, I'm a professional hitman. I kill for money. (laughs) Right? It's different. (laughs) You know what, though? This book is so amazing. I mean... I think like like you, I was so amazed that it was like a a, a debut, right? Uh, she just like the whole setup is so like I told I tell this set I told this setup to Sophie Jordan and she was like what and she was she literally bought it while we were yeah. on the phone. Sure, because the setup is perfect. Yeah, right? absolutely. I think the thing that and so coming at some point, I was so impressed by this, and I had to cancel it because of internet reasons, right? But I was I. I think the books that I've really loved this year are the books that really went hard on a premise and then followed through to the logical conclusion of that premise. Mm-hmm. And I think that Daring and the Duke does it. I think that uh, The Prince of Broadway did it. Uh, I think that this book did it. Um, Adriana's books do it. So I'm going to have the four of you on a panel where we really talk about the craft of like when you paint your characters into a corner – how do you, like, give them the dignity of sort of leaving them there? Like, what is that doing as as authors? And I feel like for Jody to be, like, a debut author and really, like, stick the landing. My you know, gosh. It's she amazing. She really does. She writes directly into fear. Yes. Here. Like, yes. at 
several moments I was like, she's going to have to pull this punch. She's going like, to have to pull that. She's going to have to. And she and doesn't. she never does. And it is so good. Also, for the record, I mean, I sound like the uh, like a total horn dog this episode, by the way. <laughs> Summertime. Fine. It's hot. For the record, she writes a sex scene that is bananas good. Yeah. And, I mean, it really, start to finish, is a truly, like, it's a magnificent book. Yeah. And yeah. I just uh, don't sleep on her. She So she has other books, too. White Whiskey Bargain is the, is the other full length. There's also a Valentine's Day novella. I think so. And I think that might be it. And I think that's it. But publishers, if you are listening to us, don't sleep on Jody Slaughter. Get her. Yeah, and I will also say, Jody Slaughter is an amazing fucking pen oh, name. Oh yeah, and it really is. Well, maybe it's not a pen name. Maybe it's her real name. Name is Destiny. I don't care. Like you picked a book and you're killing it. So good, <laughs> right? Um, I'm super excited about that panel too. And FYI, you guys, Jen and I are working on some sort of like panel situation with Faded Mates. Um, so hopefully, some there will be. Hopefully that will def- hopefully that will be released on the Fate of Mates. Uh, yeah, for sure. Threads. Yeah, we're gonna think about how to do that. Now that I had to cancel the first time, I think we're gonna make it better the second. Um, okay, I want to finish up by talking about Tracy Livesey's new book, which oh, is coming out momentarily. It either just has or will be in the next week by the time this releases, and it's called Like Lovers Do. And this was probably one of my favorite books of the summer. Um, I it just hit every like button I have. And so it starts off in Baltimore. Dr. Nick Stone is essentially weeks away from finishing up her residency. And then she's going to go off to Duke for a year to do, like, a special, like, one-year, I don't know, doctor thing. Like, right? Well, she's, like, a hotshot surgeon. Yeah, she's going to yeah. be some sort of orthopedic surgeon, but, like, for kids or something. I don't know, doctor stuff, whatever. And she is— Fossils. But, yeah, right, fossils. <laughs> I Kind of honestly, right? The only reason any of that made sense to me is because my husband does medical—like, works at medical schools. And I was like, okay, I kind of know what this is. Whatever. <laughs> Here's the important part. Nick, as head resident, is essentially, like, this is a big job. Like, think, use your Grey's Anatomy knowledge here. And a young, a brand new, like, fresh out of medical school resident essentially blows off a patient. And she, um, she corrects the she resident. She takes him to task. Yes. Like, you blew off this man. This is life or death. You wanted to do something sexier, and that's not okay. And this guy is some sort of, like, rich white dude, goes essentially to his daddy somewhere, who goes to the hospital, who's a big donor, and she is really worried that this, like, young, rich white boy has essentially ruined her career. Because now she's like, is he going to go to Duke? Is this going to happen? Is is he going to put all this on hold? And she goes home, and she boohoos to her landlord and best friend, um, this guy named Ben, I think, like, well, I guess I should check. Who, very luckily, is the black sheep child of a billionaire medical family. Of course. <laughs> of course, right? His parents are, perfect. you know, like, it's perfect. Yes, it really you is. You know, sometimes, here's the thing. 
fuck anybody who says like romance is too like it's just too perfect. It all it all fits together too well. Of course it does. This is how life should be. Everyone should have a billionaire black sheep hot best friend who can fix it. I'm yeah, sorry. Like, he's like the black sheep of the family because he went and left and started his own like financial consulting yeah, job. He's also a billionaire. <laughs> He's not, but he's, he's like not. working for his money. No, but anyway, he does, okay. And here's the thing that I thought was so. So anyway, he, on the other hand, has an upcoming um, like vacation on Nantucket. No, Martha's Vineyard. Martha's one of those Vineyard. places, places which white people go. That's an East Coast thing. Yes, Martha's Vineyard. Got it. And um, his ex girlfriend is like gunning to get him back. She dumped him when he like kind of left the family. Right. But now he's got his life together and he's doing all right. I could get and he's like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. So he Nick is essentially on administrative leave. And so he's like, come with me and be my fake girlfriend. And we will like both avoid. Right. My toxic ex-girlfriend. Let me tell you, this book is doing so much work and it's so amazing. So one of the things is, you know, this is like kind of an evil ex I think that Ben really has to figure out, like, what did I see in her? Um, she's pretty bad. I don't normally like that. But I think in this case, um, she is using a lot of, like, it's really interesting. She's straight up racist to Nicole, to, to Nick. And Ben, like, almost doesn't even really get what she's doing. And so he has to figure out, like, oh, my God, I, I, I'm such a fool, right? I didn't even realize that this kind of stuff, things still happened. And he realized he had actually lost a good, a potentially good client because of his own inability to see this man's situation outside of his own lens. They have sex in a hammock, and I swear to God, it is the hottest thing I've ever fucking read. This whole book is so perfect. Also, I gotta say, nobody writes women who are competent and skilled at their jobs and like dealing with their shit like Tracy does. Like she just writes a hair. Every one of Tracy's heroines I would like to have in my girl gang. Anybody on Twitter is going to hear me raving about this book all the whole month of August because I'm now like everybody should read it. It is so good. So we are recording this on bookstore romance day and um, which uh is a is a day that has it's a, a a holiday that has existed for a couple of years um as a day when independent bookstores can celebrate romance and have romance panels and like you know welcome romance the rom- the local romance community to their stores but obviously it's covid times and so all of these are happening in uh, all of these panels are happening virtually um so this afternoon I'm doing a panel with Tracy where we're going to talk obviously about you know her book my book romance romance in general. Um, and it'll be on YouTube. So we will put in show notes, a link to me and Tracy talking about this book and, and writing. But I mean, if you've never read a Tracy Livesey book, this is a great place to start. I mean, she is at the top of her game right now. This book is terrific, right? Like this book is terrific. And look what, and I had this really funny exchange on Twitter because I went to leave a Goodreads review and I read LaQuest's review where she was basically like, she was like, if you want one of those books where you think your best friend is nobody and it turns out he is a backbreaker in bed. And I was like, (laughs) that is appropriate. (laughs) You're doing the Lord's work. I couldn't have said it better myself. I literally was like, hey, everybody just read LaQuest's interview. I'm on the record with my opinions on on friends to lovers, right? 
But the promise of the premise of Friends to Lovers to me is that moment where you're like, holy shit, I never noticed. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's it. Friends to Lovers is about noticing. And so, anyway, we're going to have Tracy on maybe to talk about Friends to Lovers or this book. But I have got to tell you, this, I mean, you had, we haven't really talked about you had me at Ola because we're going to have Alexis on. That was another one. I, like, right around, there was, like, sort of a little stretch where I read a bunch of arcs in a row. And it was The Roommate and you had me at Ola and this book. And I was like... I, it's like Rocky. I was like, I am reading the best books right now. <laughs> da, da, da. It was awesome. So, yeah, it was good times. Yeah, You Have Me a lot is fabulous, too. That came out the early this month, and, oh, my God. So I just good. I love it so much. A lot of people are like, I'm having a hard time reading, and I get that because there are a lot of books I just started and couldn't finish, but then when I got on these these ones, it was just like, bam, and I just was taken away, and it was so great. Related to you have made a lot. If you like a if you like a book where uh, people have to practice being in love, oof, it's pretty good. Yeah, I want to spend more time talking. When Alexis comes on, I want to spend more time talking about You Had Me at Ola because I think it's doing some really interesting things. And I really fascinating. Terrific. Yes. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, Yeah. I also did a panel with Alexis at Blue Willow Books in uh, Houston, which you can watch. We'll post links to that, too. Um, And I mean, the one thing, the, the silverest lining of COVID is that we all have so much more access to romance writers now talking about their books. Like, I think we've all been really hustling, um, you know, not just those of us who have books out, who have had books out during the pandemic, but all, but all of us are, are really like online a lot, spending a lot of time talking about the book, spending a lot of time talking about craft, spending a lot of time talking about just romance in general. And so if you are at all interested in hearing really any romance novelist talk about the work, they're out. We're all out there. Um, you know, publicly. And that's really fun. Well, and Linda. Oh, yeah. Going back to the beginning has a calendar. And so she has been updating a Google calendar. Yeah, you should all subscribe to that. And it's great great because it really is kind of like right now you're like, I could watch some people or like, you know, I do a lot of puzzling. I could like listen to people talk about writing. It's been really pretty fantastic. I feel like we're sort of flooding the market right now. So one of the things I'm like, I hope we pace ourselves as we sort of go into the fall and winter, but we're definitely going to have some cool, I think, Faded Mates adjacent ones that we're thinking about how to do that. Tell us about your great summer reads. We want to hear about them. Yeah, those are ours. I think that's a good list. We just set everybody up with a good solid TBR. Yeah. You're welcome. And uh, you're welcome, everyone. We like to be here for you. Never say that Jen and I don't give you things. All right, Jen, uh, what else do we have to say? Please, everybody, um, you can check out show notes, which Jen does every week, and they are amazing. Um, they really are. I mean, I think. If there was an iHeartRadio award for show notes. I would definitely, for sure, we would be top. <laughs> we for sure, I just want to be nominated. Okay. Uh, Faded Mates is produced by Eric Mortensen. You can go to our website and find links to merchandise, including T-shirts, totes, and buttons. From jordandanae.com. That store is back open. Um, Buttons from best friend Kelly over at Resistance Buttons. Uh, You can also get your Biden-Harris buttons over there while you're at it. They're pretty cute. 
And um, next week, Fifty Shades of Grey. Next week is Fifty Shades of Grey, everyone. (laughs) Gird thy loins. (laughs) We're going into the red room. (laughs) I am really excited. Me too. I think it's going to be amazing. Me too. I want to talk about um, so many things. I want to talk about gray wool slacks. (laughs) I want to talk about Seattle. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... Sure. Um, also probably worth reading uh, Twilight, too. If you're, you know, if you're just sitting around waiting for sure. us to talk about Fifty Shades, take there a look at go. Twilight. All right, everybody. Goodbye, my friends. Have a good one. Hey, this is Claire. Um, uh, hey, Jen and Sarah. Um, I actually came to romance pretty recently, like within the last two years, and it was sort of like a um, reverse blooding and then a blooding because I um, picked a really weird way to go about it. I was like, um, oh, I like romance, like subplots and all these YA books I've been reading. Um, let me let me crack the code. Let me see what the romance, real romance books are like about. So I um, probably did it the wrong way. I opened my Overdrive app on my phone and was like, okay, I like history. Let's do historical romances. And uh, which ones are available now? And so I got a lot of results that were um, maybe much older. (laughs) And so... um, I really appreciate you all talking about like history and how that like informed the genre and how how uh, books kind of developed over time because uh, it really gave me context for a lot of those books. But um, at the time, I was like going in cold, and so I was like, "Oh dear, oh no, oh dear." Um, so I don't I don't know that I I only finished maybe one of those, and I was like, "Well, maybe not." <laughs> Um, but then a, a friend of mine from my writing group about mm, five months later, she was like, I read romance. I really like romance. I think you should try it again. Um, maybe you should try like one of my favorite authors, Kristen Higgins. She writes really funny stuff. I think that might be a way for you to like dip your toe in a little, <laughs> a little more reasonably than you tried. Um, so I was like, okay. And so I looked up a bunch of uh, plot synopses, and I saw this one. It was the second of her Blue Heron series, and it was a um, like a marriage of convenience, fake marriage, he needs a green card kind of story. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I think it's called The Perfect Match. Not 100% sure right now, but so I read it, and I was like, oh, I do really like this. And so she gave me another rec, which was um, Truth or Beard by Penny Reed. I read that one. I was like, oh, this is really funny. This is really clever. Um, And then I was, I think, on Twitter probably, and I saw something about Alyssa Cole's um, An Extraordinary Union. I was like, ooh, that's history. That's, like, fairly recently published. It's, like, a person of color and, like, spies. That sounds really exciting. Civil War. So I was like, let me pick that one up. So I read that one. And these were all within maybe like a week of each other. <laughs> so I, I read those three and I was like, I think I do really like romance. So that really got me in. But yeah, those those three, An Extraordinary Union, um, Truth or Beard, and uh, The Perfect Match were all like my gateway into romance. 
But the first romance that I was like, I need to purchase this, I need to have this in my library was um, Devil in Winter by Lisa Clay. <laughs> my first Clay Fest, Marriage of Convenience, all of that, it just, it was like cash register noise, cash register noise, cash register noise, the whole book. So that's the one that I was like, this is my id. How did she do this? Anyway, so I'm, I'm with you on Lisa Kleepas. She's great. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. I really enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. Bye.